Hello, and welcome to the Recovery Matters podcast from CCAR, the podcast where putting recovery first is always the goal. Here we present interviews, discussions, stories, and speeches to cultivate the understanding and acceptance of the power, hope, and healing of recovery from alcohol and other addictions. Here are your hosts, Phil and Sandy Valentine. So welcome to the Recovery Matters podcast. We have a very special guest today. Tara, would you like to introduce yourself? Yep. My name is Tara Moreno-Wallen, and I am the founder and executive director of Serenity House Communities. I'm also the co-owner of Green Tara Holistics, which is a business that I own with my husband. Um, I'm also a person in long-term recovery, um, and that includes not only substance use disorder, but codependency and trauma as well. Um, But I'm a mother. Um, I have two children, and um, I have a cat and a dog, too. So... So there's a lot there to unpack. Let's start with Serenity House. What is that? So we're a recovery community organization, and we're located in the heart of Flint, Michigan, where we've been doing that work for about seven and a half years now. I know they a lot of people have watched the recover or listened to the Recovery Matters podcast, but let's hear you define what a recovery community organization is. What do you do? What's a recovery community organization? So it's essentially made up of people with lived experience, which is what makes us unique and sets us apart from the rest. We don't do clinical. We help the next person out of the fires. Beautiful. I love that. Um, Like I said earlier, this is a Recovery Matters podcast. Tara, I'm interested to know if you have a matter about recovery that's on your heart that you would like to talk about first and foremost? Uh, You know, I think that the trauma piece is something that we often bypass or overlook when we start to peel back the layer of our problems or our issues. Um, For me, substance use disorder recovery wasn't enough. I needed to go deeper. I needed to go deeper into my codependency um, in the relationships, the multiple failed relationships that I had throughout my life. And then I was able to uncover the childhood trauma, which was the root as to why I was using. How did you discover, to use your word, that there was an underlying issue in your recovery? Because my life just wasn't working out the way that I had wanted it to work out. And that was um, in terms of relationship trying to find healthy, well-rounded, authentic relationships where I felt satisfied and the other person felt satisfied. And this isn't just romantic relationship. This is friendships, work relationships, all of the above. What was that process like? How did that help you uncovering that? What were you able to do? So it is an excavation of the things that you um, have been through in your life and there's residual emotional um, uh, aspects that have, um, you know, impacted the way I operate in the world, you know, and to be able to uncover those beliefs, those thoughts and those emotions that keep me in a cyclical pattern that I don't like, something I don't like, Mm -hmm. right? you know, and I, I believe that reality is God. Um, so whatever's showing up in your reality is really you. It's, 
I, I don't believe anything is random. I believe that um, everything that comes into our reality is a reflection or a facet of who we are, whether we want to believe it or not. Um, sometimes those shadow aspects or those unsightly aspects, we want to repress and deny, and we want to keep them in the subconscious. So again, that subconscious, if we can get access to it and begin to um, bring those aspects into the light, then we can be whole, um, whole person, mind, body, and spirit, um, you know, well, you know, healed, heal, you know, at a, at a healing place where you feel satisfied. Wow. I love what you just shared. Um, now that I'm 34 plus years in recovery, I frame my recovery journey as a journey to self-awareness and always more and more self-awareness that you can always keep uncovering things and have realizations about, I'll just speak for myself, about how I respond. And sometimes my responses aren't aligned with what actually happened. You know, why am I getting angry that the dog wants to go for a walk with me? I mean, that's why I got the dog. And I was able to uncover some things recently about why I was. And it was me rooted in fear that uh, I was actually afraid of how much I loved the dog and how much the dog loved me. And I knew that there's a finite time with a dog, right? And I didn't want to lose the dog. So there was, and there was childhood stuff, trauma associated with even losing the dog. So, and that's 30 plus years in recovery for me to really say, even have the insight to go, why am I getting angry that the dog wants to go for a walk with me? And that's what I love about recovery is uncovering those things. Um, and, and I think you probably uh, hinted at that there's, times where you'll have to do something other than just working your traditional program of recovery. You'll have to add other threads or colors to your recovery to continue the journey of self-awareness. Yeah. And that's what holistic recovery is about. Looking at our recovery from a whole person perspective, mind, body, and spirit, you know, getting into that shadow work. And Young, Dr. Young was, I mean, he's our one of our fathers of the 12-step program. And if we delve into his work and really see what he was, you know, teaching, it's like this kind of work, especially the shadow, it's like, it's like 12, like a fourth and a fifth step on steroids, I call, I call it, right? Because yeah. you're excavating and you're really asking these questions about what makes me do the things that I do. And there's there's always an answer. Right. And it's it's rooted either in this lifetime or even another. Mm -hmm. We have recently launched an advanced academy for recovery coaches. And I don't know if I'd frame it in the terms of shadow work, but I think that's what it is, because it's more about getting each individual coach to dig, excavate. You use that term. I really appreciate that term. Because to me, I'm like a vessel, right? And I, I created this container over my life. And now I've, in recovery, I've examined what I'm putting in the container and how clean my container is. And a lot of this is scrubbing the container so I have room to fill it with the things I want to fill it with. Absolutely. Uh, yep. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about 
the banner in the back, and it's the chakras associated with Reiki work. And I see that you've done a lot with Reiki. Anything you want to share about the importance of Reiki in your recovery and in your practice? Absolutely. So Reiki was one of the biggest reasons that I found to help to get me to the place that I have wanted to be in my life. Um, I had no awareness around the energetic bodies when before that I had no idea really what a chakra was or what a meridian was. Eastern medicine, I was very much trapped in the Western medicine mindset, going to doctor after doctor, trying to figure out what was wrong with me, and then consequently getting a prescription for a medication. And um, before I did find Reiki, I was heavily medicated. And through this uh, process of learning and working within the energetic realms, I've been able to heal at such an amazing, um, amazing level. Uh, in terms of the light to be able to, I mean, I'm 45 years old, right? So, and it, when you look at, and you're like, really? Like, you know, cause, because of the energy work, it's, it's a myriad of things, um, but it's really um, to cultivate that light and to honor it and to, um, you know, continuously self-examination increasing awareness. Um, with the Reiki, I was, I was attuned in 2013. And then I started teaching not too long after that. And I was teaching something that was different than the traditional Reiki, which is called Usui Reiki. So I was teaching really mind, body, and spirit. And I was getting into things like gut health and the microbiome and how to eat for healthy bacteria in the body you know, um, you know, we are made up mostly of bacteria and viruses, actually. So really getting into that physical aspect, getting into the meditation aspect as, as well, too, like mindfulness. Awesome. Like, that's great. But there's also, you know, meditation with mantra, which is also called transcendental meditation. There's um, analysis meditation. So these things that we previously talked about with the excavation is you know, having a container within the mind where we can bring up these things so that we can, you know, begin to unravel why we do the things we do. Um, so all these things, many more crystals, we talk about um, the shadow work, the inner child work, and how addiction, codependency, and trauma are all related. So I developed a program called Recovery Reiki, in which I trademarked um, a few years ago, and I wrote a manual and a workbook, and I do trainings on the modality. So if you wanted to get trained in recovery Reiki or take your course, how would somebody do that? So they would reach out to me through the Green Terra website. So um, we have, um, that's my, my LLC and it's greenterraholistics.com. Um, I'm currently training a cohort right now and just watching people connect the dots and you know, every time I do a training, it's like, I get to see like these light bulbs go off like often. And it's like, and that's my fuel to keep doing what I'm doing. Cause what I'm doing is not easy whatsoever by any means, but that's the fuel that, that I'm reminded why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. Well, when you spoke about it, you definitely lit up. <laughs> so I know that resonates with you. Um, 
we see you now before the before the camera. You said you're 45. You're kind of you have what I would say an ageless face. You could be anywhere from like 20 to like 80, and I mean that as in a compliment because you just you just radiate who you are. Were you always like this? Talk about like what it was like growing up for you and, and the person you were then. So as a child, even though I grew up in a home that had domestic violence, drug use, mental health issues with one, one parent, I still was, uh, I saw a lot of laughter and I still made the best out of the situation. Um, but I found in my teen years, that's when things kind of started to unravel for me. Um, and that's when my father left my home. Um, and I was 14. So I was going, I was already at that very sensitive, you know, stage mm -hmm. in a girl's life. And, um, and it was just like all chaos ensued in the home. Um, and it was me, my sister and my mother. And we, and I started using, I started drinking, smoking marijuana. And then um, I was able to um, move through those years and still still stay in school and still get the grades. And I was accepted to Michigan State University when I was 17. And that's when I, the, the wheels, as my husband says, really began to fall off. Um, and, and, but you know, the interesting thing is I was still able to get my degree and graduate in 2000 from a major university like Michigan State. Um, but that's when my addiction really took hold of me. And it was um, a combination of cocaine, um, designer drugs like ecstasy, Special K, uh, GHB, things of that nature. I was into the rave culture um, back then. Um, and then after, after Michigan State, I you know, tried to use my degree. I have a degree in telecommunications and film. So I, tr I wanted to go out to Los Angeles. I wanted to make music videos because I had been a dancer um, and cheerleader throughout school my, you know, for my teen years, um, early, early childhood. Um, so, yeah, so I just, um, you know, uh, went through those, those transformative times that addiction brings to us. Um, it wasn't until the birth of my daughter that I would have enough pain and suffering that I would finally have my knees hit the ground and say, okay, like here is this hole, this, this, uh, this dark place that I've dug out for myself. Um, here is the mountain in front of me. Am I ready to climb the mountain? And then I did. And it started mm -hmm. with AA. Talk a little bit about your bottom in traditional terms or your, your transition from active use into recovery? What happened? <laughs> so, um, I was in, uh, family court with my daughter. I had given birth and I had postpartum depression that was undiagnosed. And after three months of her being born, I went to a psychiatrist and they put me on Klonopin. And after I um, was on the Klonopin, um, I had a relapse and no one told me that this medication triggers the same part of the brain that alcohol does. So I was out drinking and then the cocaine 
Um, and then her father immediately, um, which he had already, I believe he had already had plans to, to do this because we were in a very dysfunctional codependent abusive relationship anyway. Um, he went straight and he got an attorney and that was the um, beginning um, of my, of my downfall. Um, after um, two years of family court, I finally went to rehab. And when I was in rehab, um, they finalized permanent custody to go to him. And that's where your recovery started when, once you got into the rehab? About a year after that, I tried to die. So I lived a risky lifestyle um, using dealers, walking the streets. And then um, I had an experience in um, Estes Park, Colorado. Hmm. And I bathed in the glacier water and I climbed the mountains. And I, I think it was the first time that I really felt like some sort of spiritual presence that said, you need to go home and you need to go to rehab. You need to get sober. It's time. And I did. And that was in October of 2007. There are so many similarities to my story, but first and foremost, it, it's the birth of my daughter back in 1987 that um, was one of the inciting incidents that propelled me to recovery too. So, um, but I love the way you said, um, am I ready to climb that mountain? And that has a special meaning to me too as well. So, um, yeah, I've been climbing ever since and it's pretty cool. <laughs> the joy is in the journey. And I also started in, um, 12 step recovery and Alcoholics Anonymous too, even though I was, cocaine and other drugs that brought me to my knees. But that's where I found wisdom and people that had been on the journey for quite a while, had the light in their eyes, and I just knew I wanted what they had. And so they really uh, wrapped their arms around me. And, and here I am almost 35 years later. So, you know, always grateful, always grateful. Um, what's, and if you don't mind me asking, what's the relationship with your daughter like today? It's amazing. So we're going to go and we're going to uh, dinner tomorrow and I'm going to teach her how to open up a credit card. And we're going to talk about some of these things that we actually talked about today. <laughs> so she's 18 now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what has changed since you found recovery in your, in your attitude and your character, if anything? I have been probably about 30 different versions of myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It is. It is good. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm constantly evolving. So, and I'm really committed to the healing path and to, you know, to making my light as bright as I possibly can. Um, that nurturing of the spirit within us. Um, so, you know, I was just in the mirror, I was looking in the mirror today and talking to my husband about, you know, um, my, you know, aging and, and how um, I was looking at pictures of myself when I was 30. And although I, I still people say like, you look like you're in your thirties. Right. And, and I look in the mirror and it's like, yeah, but you know, um, I have this, uh, this wisdom and this maturity that happens when you're able to go through things in your life and, you know, maintain some sort of center. And there's this maturity that happens in the woman. 
right? And there's an initiation that happens. Um, and I find that a lot of women are still trapped in being girls hmm. because we don't have a proper initiation for, for our, um, you know, for us. So, um, you know, I, I like who I am. Um, I, you know, can look in the mirror and smile and, you know, really love myself, love my body, love the things that have been given to me as a gift. Um, yeah, I, I, I like who I have become that, who I've set out to become, I've become who I've always wanted to be. Yeah, you always send me, you're sending me down these thought trails, you know, which is really, I love that. And the trail I went down was I have three daughters and they're 35, 26 and 17. And that first daughter was the one that propelled me into recovery, right? Her birth. And I was thinking about, have they ever had any type of rite of passage or ritual to turn from a girl into a woman like your one? I don't know. I think it's a great question to ask them, you know, uh, how they think about that. So anyway, thank you for that. I hadn't thought about that. What would be a rite of passage or a ritual that you would see or welcome? So for me, it when I would hit certain very difficult parts and like, like for me being the executive director and the founder of Serenity House, I mean, when we're dealing with people in recovery who have trauma um, we go through these uh, kind of the squeezing out, <laughs> squeezing through these uh, these opportunities to be able to lean in to the uncomfortability, to lean in to those emotional experiences. And those are the transformative kind of passages that a woman can use one way to be able to move into, because what would a girl do? right? She'd gossip, right? She'd um, do these, you know, girl-like behaviors. But what would a woman do? Mm -hmm. You know, asking yourself um, those questions. Um, I think that, unfortunately, this is the process that we have right now. We don't have these rites of passage like our ancestors had. Um, and I believe that's the breakdown. One of the breakdowns of our society is that we don't have a transition for the eight-year-old that becomes the older child or the 13-year-old that becomes, right, becomes um, a teenager. Um, we don't have the transition um, 17 to 18. We have graduation, right? But I mean, what about our emotional? What about our mental um, thoughts about these transitions that happen within the human um, and what happens within the family, mm -hmm. you know, too often we, you know, I, I find myself at being a mother that I still will treat my child like they are younger than they are rather than who they are and how they've transitioned into this next phase of their development. I, yeah, I like that too. We have a piece in the Recovery Coach Academy where we have a choice to treat people like an object, a recipient, or a resource. And many lights go on when parents say, I've been treating my kids like an object, telling them what to do and expecting them to do it, instead of treating them like a resource, that they're the best resource on their own lives, to say, what is it you would like to do? 
How would that work out for you? How can I help you? Do you see how your actions are affecting others' opinions? Whatever it may be, instead of asking questions. And I love that, that you've discovered that. The other part, too, for me is um, you were talking about the rights for uh, the rite of passage for women or, or girls. And I think about it for my boys. I have two boys, too, so I have five kids. And I think about my own rite of passage, and I can't even really think if there was one, you know, and I've heard this talked about before too, maybe getting your driver's license, maybe like um, the right to vote, you know, the first time you vote, maybe, you know, the first time you drink legally, <laughs> you know, I don't know, but there aren't anything like to say to, and we've lost a lot of that too. Great. Yeah, I think there's a grieving that has to happen, too, when you lose that past version of self, right? Mm -hmm. so we don't honor as a society as well anymore. And, and, you know, consequently, I think that's why, you know, many are getting sick with lung diseases, because lungs, according to Eastern medicine, hold grief. Oh, wow. That's profound. So yes, you've reinvented yourself at least 30 times, you know, it's a kind of thing. So I want, I'm going to ask you this question because as I contemplate moving into my next phase, a transition into my next phase of my life, what are like four or five descriptive words that you would, how would you describe yourself today? I would say that I um, am a person of integrity. Mm -hmm. that I am a person that has um, humility that took a long time to get there. Mm -hmm. um, I have, I have wisdom. I do uh, tenacity. How about mm -hmm. that? I like <laughs> it. So let me, let me share. And, and I like the, the values, like the qualities you consider yourself. But as I move into retirement, I came across four A words that I was kind of just writing. I journal a lot and write things in this unlined book. And I came up with four A words that I'm still an adventurer. I want to be more of an author, even though I've published a book. I want to write more. I want to be an artist, which is I see myself having a studio, which I've never had before, to create whatever they may be oils paints sketches i don't know yet but i just see myself in there and i want to be an athlete and even that sounds strange at 63 but i want to take care of my body i want to be physically fit so i can still move and do the adventure things um any of those resonate with you or any way you would describe yourself i think all of them mm -hmm. so um i am a photographer. Um, before I moved into this, I had a business. Um, I do, I capture people. Um, so I just had an exhibit through Families Against Narcotics where I photographed people who are in recovery um, against murals that are all over our city um, from muralists from across the, the world. Mm -hmm. Colors, the color scheme. Um, I watched people they were brought to tears through this exhibit. 
And that really ignited that artist in me because it's not something I, I do because I, you know, I work a lot. Right. And, um, but I am nurturing that. Um, I have been an athlete my whole life. Um, and, you know, I ran track, dance, cheerleading. Um, later in life, I got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, mixed martial arts um, and CrossFit. I've always lifted weights. Um, and then now I'm into yoga. Mm -hmm. So yoga is, um, and that's not just physical, that is, you know, the whole person and the breath, linking the breath with the body, the mind, the body connection. So, um, athleticism is something I resonate with. Um, and then adventure, um, I, I've always been, um, since I've been a, a small child, um, always climbing the trees, always taking those excursions in the woods, spending hours upon hours just by my favorite tree. Um, and then, you know, most recently in my life, um, you know, traveling internationally. So Costa Rica is one of my favorite countries. Um, we've spent some time there. I brought my children there. Um, and I've been doing a lot of traveling, um, with these different conferences now. So, um, you know, I went out on a limb and I, um, I was like, I should apply for this, for the CCAR conference and multiple, and I, and I was like, yeah, cool. So these are that adventure, right. Mm -hmm. That I've been seeking in my work realm. Um, and what was the other one that you said? Artist, athlete, author, adventure. author, author. And I am, I am an author. So. Mm -hmm. Writing has been the core um, since I've been eight. I've been writing poetry, um, and I went. I got my master's degree from University of Michigan in composition and rhetoric. Wow! So, yeah. Um, so, and then I have my book, um, which is that recovery uh, manual I was telling you about. So there you go. The, the manual, and then this is the workbook. How cool! Congratulations. I know it's not easy to put that together for sure. And the Very other, different. and I also said the author would lead itself um, in my next phase to another A, <laughs> not the word everybody's thinking, no, advocate. It would be that I'm still an advocate for recovery. I always have been, resonated with me for the last 24 years. And I feel that I'll be able to be a little. I'll be more freed up now that I'm not tied to CCAR, the Connecticut Community for Addiction Recovery. My next phase, I'll be more freed up to write about some issues I feel strongly about. So, yeah, she's curious now. I got yep. our curiosity thing going. <laughs> um, Tara, is there anything else you'd like to add about your recovery or your work or anything that we haven't covered? Um. You know, I think that this journey of healing is, um, I think it's getting supercharged right now. And as a society, as a, as a whole world, we are undergoing this transformative time um, in which many spiritual texts, many religious texts have talked about. And I'm not talking just about this idea of the world's ending or brimstone and fire. But what I'm saying is that there is an invitation and we are being invited to be able to mine down into who we are and to excavate those things that are blocking the light from shining from within us. 
And this is a massive awakening that is happening um, at a grand scale. And we all get to participate in it, whether we like it or not. (laughs) Man, that is so cool because for years I've talked about like I'm the Pink Floyd child that I had built a wall, the wall around me. And my whole recovery has been a process of removing the wall so that I could let the light shine in into those shadow places, into the dark areas, all that, and become more self-aware. Talked about that for years. So that aligns exactly with that. Um, You talked a little bit about multiple pathways of recovery conference. If people wanted to join us, what could they expect to hear from you? So we'll talk about holistic recovery um, as a whole, uh, a whole pathway. So we'll go through all the different pathways that can be defined as a holistic recovery pathway. And I know you've got singing bowls out there. I know you've got um, a myriad of different things that would kind of fit under mm-hmm. um, the, 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 the whole of holistic recovery. Um, but we'll be talking about those things about um, what it means to get into things like energy work, and the chakras and Eastern medicine and how that pathway can, um, you know, help you to be the best version of yourself. And I think that's what we're all striving for, for in recovery. You know, it's like, we want to be better people. We want that. And um, I'll talk about that. Oh, thank you, Tara. I'm looking forward to seeing you in Punta Gorda. Thank you for creating this platform for different voices to be heard around our nation. Um, I know that CCAR has been instrumental in um, what we've been doing here um, in Michigan. And um, I really respect the curriculum and what you're doing. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Recovery Matters podcast. We hope that you have connected in some way with what you've heard. For more information, you can find us on the web at ccar.us. Like and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at ccar, the number four, recovery. And on Instagram at recovery matters podcast.